This is The Saucer Life, a podcast in which we examine concepts, events, or people orbiting the world of flying saucers. Few preconceptions snark when justified. No belief, no debunking, no doubt. These are fun questions. This is listener question and answer, and I'm your guest host, Roberta. And I'm your regular host. So this is uh, the listener question and answer episode that we promised. And it is we. There are two people here, um, or at least more than one person. It's two. That's okay. Um, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through some questions that, uh, that listeners have sent us. And um, it sounds a little bit different. We are testing out some new equipment. This is Studio B. We are in Studio B. And Studio B is going to be dedicated to episodes or projects where there are more than one person present. So um, the fact that we have Studio B is an indication that there will be some additional silliness coming in the future. So um, with that, let's get started. Okay, and I should have mentioned that Roberta is here. She did introduce herself. So Roberta is our guest host. Not hostess, but host. That's well, in fine. the intro, I did say that I was your guest host. Okay, host. Ho- not, not hostess. Not hostess. Okay, sorry. From Rick, which contactee do you think might have actually been legit? Or just pick a favorite. Okay, so we've got to define some terms here. Uh, legit. Legitimately had the exact experience they described. Probably none of them. Uh, legit had something weird happen to them and then tried to put it across to readers or listeners in a way that made sense to them. Um, whenever I'm asked this, uh, I usually, I usually fall back on Orfeo Angelucci. His story was weird. There were things in it that just didn't make sense unless somebody was messing with him in some way. Um, I, uh, I think it's Nick Redfern who who pointed out that the uh, the pill dropped in the the ginger ale looking stuff that he drank that that sort of made him trip out. That's you know that sounds like MK Ultra kind of mind control stuff. Um, I always go back to when he was on the, uh, the the spaceship early on in the story and he heard like regular Earth music being played to him. I'm not sure why aliens would do that. It's a very strange story, and uh, so I, I think that that. Whether or not we consider Orfeo Angelucci legit in any sort of legit way, um, I think something you know very, very weird happened to him. Now, I will also uh, say who my my favorite is. I, I've got a new favorite. Um, it always used to be Truman Bethram, but uh, I think my my favorite contactee now has got to be Reinhold Schmidt, um, just because he was convicted of fraud for his flying saucer stories, and you don't actually get many actual convictions of fraud related to ufo stories you get lots of accusations but reinhold schmidt was out there ripping off old ladies so he's uh he's my favorite and he's the i think out of all the contactee movies that are out there there's not many i think reinhold schmidt's was um the least bad i think so next question from cj 
Oh, this is an interesting question. Why are you the way you are? Um, this question was presented in the form of a, a little meme graphic with Michael Scott from The Office. And um, I don't know if he intended it as a regular question, but I decided that we better put it on the list because uh, I wasn't sure when I started making the list how many questions we'd get. So why am I the way that I am? Um, that's, a good I that's a good idea. That's a good question. I think the best answer is that I was um, raised on a steady diet of um, kids' library reading programs in the summer, which rewarded reading with tangible goods, which is what motivates me. I think also that I am the beneficiary of a childhood steeped in um, steeped in trash pop culture designed to sell things to me, uh, which makes me a really, really good candidate for, um, you know, being drawn into the world of, of UFOs because most of it is designed to sell something to somebody. Seriously though, I read a lot of books growing up. I liked space stuff. I watched in search of when it was on reruns. So that wormed its way into my brain. Um, I also think that uh, being exposed to the internet when I went off to college was probably, you know, that was my, I've mentioned this before in the show, that was my entry point into all this. And I think having the internet as an entry point, as opposed to huge numbers of flying saucer books, which I didn't really read before the mid nineties or so. Um, I think it sort of formulated that, that particular, that particular, uh, mindset that I have. So that is why I'm the way I am. It's at least with regard to flying saucers, why I'm the way I am in every other way is uh, beyond the scope of this episode. That would take a whole other episode. Roberta? Oh, excuse me. From Justin, were there ever any reports from Lincoln, Washington, Franklin, other founders that they spotted UFOs? Okay, so I had no idea. I had no idea at all. So, um, I talked to our um, our associate Sasha, who is an early American person and founding fathers fangirl. And what I said was Justin's question, and she said she didn't know, she didn't think so. But if any of them would have, it would have been Franklin. And then she said that she watched an Ancient Aliens episode about the founders or early America. And so I went and found clips of that on YouTube. So. When I was thinking about this, the only thing I could really think of like paranormally with the founders was that bogus George Washington's vision for the future of America that he got at Valley Forge and there's an angel shows up and says, son of the Republic, look and learn. And basically it's a vision of the Civil War, which makes sense because the whole thing was made up around 1861. So I'm looking through clips of this ancient aliens episode that Sasha told me about. And what I find is... There's some guy, and I think I remember who it was, but in the interests of not giving this person publicity, I will not say who it was on the show. It was not crazy ancient alien guy, not the one you see in the memes and everything, but sort of talking fast, aren't I? But um, what he talked about was the fact that not many people know this, but George Washington had a vision at Valley Forge. Yes, they were pushing the George Washington vision at Valley Forge as a real thing. From the clips of the episode that I saw that were up on YouTube, 
there wasn't actually a whole lot of alien stuff or UFO stuff. There was a lot of general paranormal stuff, ghost stuff, things like that, that um, ancient aliens was trying to shoehorn into early America. So um, that's uh, that, that's a and, and um, that's all I got from Victor. Why don't you do some episodes about the various old saucer investigation groups like NICAP and APRO? They're boring. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, they aren't boring. They are huge. Uh, they are huge. I have done, I think I've done, I did an episode on uh, Coral Lorenzen's book about uh, flying saucer occupants a while back, and um, she basically was APRO, she and her husband. But I haven't actually done an APRO episode, and I've done not done a NICAP episode, although I've done... Uh, I think an episode on uh, Donald Kehoe's uh, supposed censorship on uh, the Armstrong th- Armstrong Circle Theater program. But it would be interesting to look back at the uh, establishment of those organizations, especially NICAP. Uh, I know Jack Brewer, our friend Jack Brewer or over at the UFO Trail blog, has been doing some interesting work with some FOIA stuff about some of the people involved in the establishment of NICAP back in the day. And um, it's pretty interesting. So if I can do a good NICAP origins episode without just reading Jack's blog entries into the microphone, um, I probably will. And APRO is a a fun organization. We'll probably look at them at some point, uh, or at the very least go through like six months worth of uh, APRO or NICAP newsletters. From AP Strange. I've noticed that a lot of people who enjoy UFO history and are discussing the subject with a critical eye seem to be fans of professional wrestling. Do you think there exists any parallels between these separate interests that lend themselves to an interest in both? And further, do you think that an appreciation for pro wrestling informs one's critical thinking abilities with regard to flying saucers? Yes, I do. Um, And no, I don't. So let me look at the first part first, because that was the first part. So why the overlap in interest um, between professional wrestling and, um, and, and UFOs? And just off the top of my head, I can, I can think of three. There's me, uh, there's Paul Kimball, there's, there's Tim Benall. We're all... Um, bi- what? what? Roberta has a comment. But are there more? Well, obviously, our listener knows some. Um, anyway... Anyway, um, there's a, I think what it is, is both ufology and, and some aspects of UFO history, many aspects of UFO history, and professional wrestling have a common root in carny hucksterism and grifting. So, you know, professional wrestling, um, you know, started as a con to make wrestling, which is a very boring sport, more interesting um, by jazzing it up and, and, you know, things like that. And UFO stuff uh, has always benefited from people who are, are willing to um, stretch the truth, uh, willing to exaggerate the truth, willing to not tell the truth in order to either tell a good story or make money or both. So I think there is that, uh, there is that overlap. And as far as, um, as far as what we can gain critical thinking wise, uh, to apply to UFOs from professional wrestling, I think, you know, carrying with us always in our hearts and in our minds and in our consciousness, the very real possibility that whatever we're watching and, and no matter what we're watching, what we're listening to, who we're listening to, um, it's all a work, brother. It's a work. You're getting worked. You're getting worked. It's not real. You're watching a show. If you're watching the show, you're the customer. 
And if you're the customer, you're paying somehow money, your attention, your time, something. So brother, it's a work. That's just, I just keep that in my head, both in pro wrestling and in, uh, and in UFOs. Um, kind of an offshoot of this question, if I may. Yes. Uh, what professional wrestler do you think might plausibly have had an alien encounter? Uh, Chris Jericho. He talks about that stuff on his, on his podcast sometimes. Um, now, uh, Luther, uh, Luther, who's in uh, AEW as part of um, something. I can't remember his little faction's name, but uh, he also does some paranormal podcast stuff. Um, oh, Chris Statlander. Is that what you're going for? Chris? No, I was just trying to get your take on. I know Roberta watches the wrestling too. So um, there, there's another one. There's another. Yeah, but I don't have, I'm not. I'm not into UFO history, just uh, by a glancing blow, perhaps. But why, no. why, are, why are you here? I had nothing better to do on a Friday night. <laughs> when your employees randomly show up for work on a Friday night because they have nothing better to do. Um, anyway, yeah. So I'm sorry, we digress. We digress, yes. From Angel, what's your most controversial opinion, least popular take regarding UFO lore? I've said this before, and I say it again, and it will never have acceptance in the mainstream of the UFO narrative, but I believe, and I I firmly hold, that the contactees of the 50s and 60s, and even onward, were just as significant, um, if not slightly more significant for the overall longevity of the UFO subject in the American consciousness as the more well-known endless series of, of lights in the sky, um, photographs, reports, things like that, things like Project Blue Book, things like the ongoing NICAP versus airport, Air Force, not airport, NICAP versus Air Force uh, debate and discussion and fight over UFO truth. Um, I think the contactees introduced us to the concept of narratives involving visitors from elsewhere, introduced that sort of almost mythological quality to ufology. And I think um, because of that, I mean, you might say, well, what about abductions? You don't get you don't get unfriendly contacts if you don't have friendly contacts first. And I'm not talking about the phenomenon itself. I'm talking about about the stories that that grow up around it. So I, I think, you know, in a nutshell, my most sort of the, mo- the most controversial take I can come up with is that um, contactees do not get enough credit and most likely will never get enough credit. And the reason for that is many of them were liars. And so they sort of undercut their own credibility. But just because somebody's lying doesn't mean that what they're saying isn't important, I guess. So lies are important? They can be. They can be. Um, What are stories but lies about things? For example? Fiction is a lie. Fiction are lies. Fiction is lies. But you know that going in. Anybody who's dealt with contactees for more than five minutes knows that going in. Were their stories just not sexy? Is that why they weren't picked up? Well, some of them were. Some of them were sexy um, and they were picked up, but then they were sort of dismissed later on by, by nuts and bolts types who thought that because they lied. Well, 
that was the excuse used. I, I think I think the real problem is they were just too awesome and nobody could handle the uh, the, the the coolness of the the ambiguity of of that. We should move on to the next question. I'm digging a hole here. From Paul, would Trump have been a better president if he had been blessed with guidance from the Plagiarin? No. Next question. The real question from Paul. In the end, who will have had the greater impact on how we view UFOs? Gray Barker or Jacques Vallée? That's a good question. Um, and, uh, and my answer is Gray Barker. And my answer is Gray Barker for um, a number of reasons. I think Gray Barker's early creation of several aspects of UFO myth um, was incredibly significant. And just to pick one, without Gray Barker, you don't get the men in black. You, you just, you just don't. And without the men in black, you not just lose literal men in black encounters. You also lose, um, you also lose, I would argue the entire strand of UFO narrative involving forceful government cover-ups, not sort of bureaucratic cover-ups, but sort of government threats, government intimidation of UFO witnesses, government slander of UFO researchers. And if you look at the, the number of, of and, and sort of preponderance of those stories in, in UFO history, um, it can all be traced back to the same basic men in black narrative. Now, one listener, uh, Jeb, on Twitter responded to, uh, to Paul's uh, question with, uh, depends on your we. Barker helped create a fuzzy unreality amplified by Keel. For scholars of weird, sure. Valet pushed consciousness fairies into Pentagon influencers and corporate media. I may not like it, but his crew is beamed into billions of eyes and ears. But those eyes and ears they're being beamed into are, are largely passive, I think. Um, so yes, the, the, the current, many of the current narratives and, and, and things that, that are going on are being sort of, sort of broadcast and promulgated. But how many billions of eyes has the Men in Black movie series been beamed into? And you don't get that without Gray Barker sort of inventing that concept. So I think Gray Barker has a, a an overall greater. Okay, here this is how I'm going to say it. Gray Barker had a greater influence on the formation of ufology, and without ufology's formation being the way it was, you don't get Jacques Vallée. You you don't. Um, so Gray Barker is the father of us all. I guess is is what I'm saying. When you say the term men in black, yeah. do you in your head start singing, here come the men in black? No, I don't. You know why? I'm old. I'm mm. old. I was too old when that movie came out. From Patrick, any chance on an episode on the Unarians? Yes. Yes, there is. Um, I've got, uh, I've got some Unarians, uh, I've got some Unarians blocked in the furnace room right now. No. Um, that's what that noise that's is. What, how do you know what noises are coming from the furnace room here in the studio? You're here a couple times a month. Yes, Unarian episode coming up. Um, and I guarantee I will at least once uh, pronounce it Unitarian by mistake. As I almost did. Next time, I'm not sure if this will fit into one episode, so this may be the first in a mini-series, but we're going to tackle Val Valerian's Matrix books. Well, we'll tackle the first one, at least. 
You can check out past episodes, read some reviews of stuff, and support the show at saucerlife.com. You can also support us through the link in the show notes. Thank you very much to those who've donated in the past. It's much appreciated. Studio B could not have happened without you. As always, we're on Twitter and Instagram at saucerlife, and you can email us at thesaucerlife.com. You can send us interesting, safe, legal things by post to Chizo Media, P.O. Box 68, Grand Blank, Michigan, 48480. The Saucer Life, as always, is available anywhere you can find podcasts. And as I learned from my father telling people the wrong title for this podcast, you can even find it if you search for Saucer Tales instead of Saucer Life. We're just that ubiquitous. From a Twitter user, why do you think so many UFO ships are smooth and shiny? Because smooth and shiny um, says fancy and technologically advanced. And when people develop saucer stories, they either decide that a shiny, flashy ship that's sort of perfect in appearance is more likely to have made it through space. Um, And, you know, a, a sort of ratty, sort of beat up space jalopy just doesn't really catch the uh, catch the attention as much of course the technological scientific answer is is that uh, they have micro force field transmitters uh, sort of surrounding the ship to protect it from micrometeorites and things like that and so the factory fresh finish of the flying saucer remains pristine despite the ravages of space travel from an instagram user what in your opinion is the phenomena follow-up Whose theory on the phenomena comes closest to being real? I think the phenomenon is something within the natural world that we don't yet fully understand that interacts with us in a way that makes itself somewhat understandable to a degree. Um, That's the closest I can come up with. As for whose theory I think comes closest, I like and I have always liked um, the sort of early 1950s, three and a half, or not early 1950s. Jim Mosley talked about it in, in Saucer Smear or his, his um, memoir or something. Three and a half D, you know, it's the three-dimensional world we live in, but there's something just a half dimension beyond it that sometimes interacts with us in various ways. Um, no, I don't have proof, but I just... I just like it. What was your favorite episode? Of? Your podcast. Oh. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, of, of The Office? Or um, favorite episode, uh, the most recent Christmas special. What was your least favorite? Oh, you can't say least favorite without somebody contact you and telling contacting you and telling you why you're wrong about your own show. Um, but, uh, I will say my least favorite was probably, Oh boy, that's a tough one. Um, I don't really have a least favorite. That's a cop out answer, but I think, uh, my least favorite is probably, um, I can't do it. I, I think I sort of purged the the sort of ones that were, that's the thing. There are some that I really didn't like doing that I think turned out really well. And I can't separate my experience of just 
arduous research stuff or technological problems or something like that from the finished product. So I don't have like a, a finished product I'm really unhappy with. I will say that, um, oh, the one about psychometry, uh, the Psychometric Express, that one was a bear to do because those books about psychometry were dense and tough to get through. Um, but we had some guests, we had our guest voices on it. So that's always fun. So I, I can't have a least favorite episode that has other people involved because that sounds like I'm blaming other people. Um, but that one was tough to do. That was, that was some of the worst reading material that I had to plow through was, um, the, uh, the episode about psychometry. Yeah. Is there an upcoming subject or episode that you're very, you're anticipating or that you're excited about? Um, I think we've got a couple on the horizon that are uh, that are that are pretty good. We're going to be looking at some of the works by the man who called himself Branton, who wrote a lot about underground bases and things like that. And I think um, having recently read Adam Gorightly's Saucer Spooks and Kooks book, um, that'll help inform that topic a little bit more than uh, than than it would have been. Otherwise, I'm looking forward to, and I think this is going to be the episode after this one, uh, Val Valerian's Matrix books. Um, I've wanted to look at those for a while, so that's another sort of 80s and 90s thing. Um, I'm looking forward to possibly doing some some more interesting, different stuff. Um, it'll be four years that we've been doing the show, uh, coming up this summer, and um, yeah, just uh, got some ideas for, for varying things up a little bit maybe okay next question from a listener on twitter what are the best prog ufo songs um this is is kind of an obvious choice but maybe not um i think rush's 2112 is the one that i think fits really well um you know, at the end, attention all planets of the Solar Federation. Solar Federation sounds like some sort of weird contactee thing, but the, the sort of oppressive government that's the bad guys in 2112, yes, they're bad guys. We don't usually think of contactee civilizations as being sort of bad guy civilizations, but on the other hand, contactee civilizations are usually pretty bland and uniform and and, and sort of have this enforced jumpsuited conformity which i think kind of comes across in the in in the the bad guys in the uh the the, the rush songs so and and i'm 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 not a huge prog guy so um i don't have a wide variety of ufo songs to pull from in that genre but uh yeah those are um that's what i think i think 2112 works fairly well just for the the way this is, it's not really a ufo song but that society has always struck me as being um, sort of like a, a darker vision of what a, a contactee society might be. Also, best UFO-based MST3K Rift Tracks Cinematic Titanic? That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, I, I really like, um, I really like from, from Mystery Science Theater, Teenagers from Outer Space. I think Teenagers from Outer Space is a lot of fun. I also like the two Japanese movies they did during the sci-fi channel years, um, Prince of Space and Invasion of the Neptune Men. Those are pretty bad, good, bad sort of, uh, sort of movies. Um, yeah, those, I, I'd have to put Teenagers from Outer Space, number one, and then Invasion of the Neptune Men, 
and um, Prince of Space in uh, in that other slot. From Lester, what's the biggest hoax in ufology? Amo or something else? Obviously, your host does not know these words. <laughs> Amo. Apologies. It, that's okay. Amo. In all, it might be Umo. I don't know. Um, or I'm bad U-M-M-O. At, U-M-M-O. Or that Umo. sounds like a fight. Like a U-M-M-O? Like the, Uf, like the UFC U-M-M-O. U-M-M-O, U-M-M-O fighting in the octagon against the aliens. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, we did uh, an Umo. I'm going to say Umo episode. Um, and I would say, yeah, Umo is probably the biggest sort of planned, orchestrated, sort of wide scale, long lasting hoax. Um, there are other things that I think are hoaxes that might not fit into what most people would consider a hoax category. Um, if something is, is sort of an active kind of deception campaign, is that the same as as a hoax? Or is a hoax more jokey, ha ha ha, I tricked you people, but I don't have any sort of nefarious purpose besides that. Um, part of me wants to say that uh, that Serpo might fit in. But uh, yeah, Amo, Amo, I think is, is sort of still has the... Uh, the crown of um, hoax, or would you say a belt? A belt, the the belt. Yeah, Umo Umo holds the the hoax title belt. Yes, the strap. Perfect. From Hiram, is Roberta the saucer wife or what? Hiram, this is not an appropriate question. You do not ask about a woman's. I was going to say past, but present. Um, is Roberta the saucer wife? This is a question that has troubled people for years. I've gotten many emails over the years that have not uh, have not addressed them in any sort of direct fashion. Um, both the saucer wife and Roberta would ask for privacy at this uh, very very stressful time in their their lives and careers as their their very identities are being are being questioned and attacked by by people. Who knows what people, Hiram, I don't know who you are. You're some sort of weirdo out there on the internet, miscreant, troublemaker, stirring the pot, trying to cause trouble. No, no, Hiram, no. I will not confirm, nor will I deny the uh, the one in the sameness of Roberta and the saucer wife. Good day, sir. Two questions from an emailer. Have you ever come across an example of the society for, here's another word. I've seen the list, psychical. Psychical. Yeah. It's like a fancy way of saying psychic. Oh, yeah. I learned something today. You did. Okay. Psychical research, looking into UFO, contactee, abductee cases in the UK. In the UK? Um, not as such of the Society for Psychical Research looking into specific UFO cases or related cases. What I will say is that I've seen lots of references to um, the Society for Psychical Research's research on <laughs> psychical things, I guess is the best way to say it, being put to use by ufologists as an additional lens to through which to view the phenomenon. And I'm, I'm sort of gesturing here as through which, moving my hand back and forth to, um, right, Roberta, I'm doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm doing that um, to view the phenomenon. Um, but I'm not super familiar with with everything these psychical research folks um, 
had ever done. So uh, there might be something out there. But um, I see a lot of references to their work being sort of repurposed and re-envisioned by, um, by more, more um, sort of regular UFO people, I guess. There's such a thing as, in quotes, regular UFO well, it, it's, it's, people? It's, it's a relative term, relatively regular UFO people. Is there a sliding scale? Yes, very, very sliding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Has anyone ever made the connection between early aviation, RAF, U.S. Air Force, gremlin stories, and the UFO phenomenon? Um, yeah, I've seen connections between the gremlins, uh, sort of the, the, the mythical creatures who, who messed with planes uh, for the RAF and the U.S. Air Force during, uh, during World War II um, and, and the UFO, uh, the UFO phenomenon. I, I can't remember where, but I remember even, even as a kid, it would come up in books that maybe these were real creatures causing trouble. More, um, more common are connections between um, UFOs and the Foo Fighters of World War II, the sort of mysterious, uh, the mysterious lights and, and things that would, uh, that would bother pilots during that time. But yeah, there are sort of references to, uh, to, to gremlins being possibly uh, an, extraterrestrial, uh, an extraterrestrial thing. And, and, and probably people have already also connected them to uh, the Fey folk and the like, because um, why not? Sure. We'll go all passport to Magonia here. The, the gremlins were fairies. That's all there is to it. And that was our last question. All right. Well, um, this concludes the question and answer time on this question and answer episode, the listener Q&A episode of The Saucer Life. Um, I'll be back in a second to wrap things up. Thank you to those who sent in questions for us to answer. We had a lot of fun with them, and thanks, as always, for listening. Our guest host was Roberta Evangeline Straith. Music and special sounds were by the Chizo Media Radiophonic Workshop. Sasha Gimlinson was the associate producer of this episode, filling in for Simpson J. Hanover III, who is on assignment. The Saucer Life is a production of Chizo Media, LLC. Chizo Media, our heart is with the people. Till next time, keep watching the skies because the skies are watching you.